Congratulations. Congratulations. Congratulations, Luke. Congratulations on your promotion, Captain Katsuragi. <laughs> we did it. We did you it. You made it. You made it. We, we all, all we made all it, it together. Mm-hmm. Unless you skipped ahead to this episode. Which is fine, too. I mean... No. Unacceptable. You should hate yourself. <laughs> this is Sync Ratios, a yeah. Neon Genesis Evangelion podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Piotrowski. And I'm your other host, Ben Collins. And this is episode 26. 26, the final episode, The Beast That Shouted Love at the Heart of the World, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Take Care of Yourself. First aired on March 27th, 1996, with a script by Hideaki Anno, storyboards by Masayuki, Kazuya Suramaki, and Hideaki Anno, mm-hmm. director Masayuki and Kazuya Suramaki. And this is the end of the series. Of the series. Neon Genesis Evangelion. Now, don't stop there. Yeah. There's more to come. It's a lot more. Uh, if you're watching on Netflix, you have Death True 2. Squared. Why did they change the title of it? Do we know yet? They kept they they were doing tweaks to it. You know, in the same way that the rebuild movies have mm-hmm. like Evangelion 1.0 was like what it was in the theater, and then it's like mm-hmm. 1.11. They're like, little, oh, I didn't know that's why it was like that. Tiny okay. sort of okay. tweaks and yeah, corrections to things. So there were Death originally came out, I believe, paired with Rebirth, which was the first act of mm-hmm. End of Evangelion. And so there was death and rebirth. Oh, yeah. And so it was recap and then the first 30 minutes of the new stuff. I forgot that it had... Then, yeah. So if you were watching it in Japan, it would have really sucked because it would have been like, you know, you watch the show, you wait for the climax. The, cli- the climax is all this... This shit. Interior space abstract stuff with minimal animation. Uh, you know, like we pointed out, it's not even until 14 minutes yeah, into the episode yeah. that we get like the traditional animation as we recognize it mm-hmm. uh, even before that you know i think there's a there's some movement but in the beginning it's mostly still frames and stuff yeah yeah um and then you'd have to wait for oh the movie's coming out but you'd get like the recap movie and uh-huh. then you'd get the first half of end of evangelion and then a little bit later you'd get the full thing so it would have been such a slow process uh, we're lucky you get yeah. to just jump right in and you know consume but it I, all you know i think it's good to if you can, I think it's good to let this sort of, um, you know, ferment in your mind. Uh, if you're binge watching, if you haven't watched the movies yet, I think it's good to take a beat with this. And Yeah, definitely to process this. What I don't want people to do is just kind of like disregard these. It's like, yeah, this is just worthless. This is just filler. No, 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 no. Just, because this is an attempt to sort of communicate the story and it has some of the some of the coolest conceptual and philosophical beats yeah. in it so it's definitely worthwhile and obviously there's a really fun segment at the end so yeah I mean, this the- is totally part of the text i'm very glad that it's not the end of the show and mm-hmm. i don't think that i would feel quite the same about the show if there if there was no end of evangelion if it was just this i, I think a lot of what truly has haunted me is End of Evangelion, but yeah, and I think it's, it's the fact essential. that you you get to have these things that this this gets to take you through an existential ringer where it, it like I mean at a certain point in this episode if if you're not thinking about yourself like it's all about Shinji but like it's confrontational in a way that should be making you <laughs> what kind of a sociopath are you <laughs> or like, if you're not 
being yeah like I, I mean, confronted maybe sociopath yeah. is the wrong term but like what how psychologically uh, you know yeah. deviant are you if you can watch this and not at all turn the lens inward on yourself and yeah you feeling yeah and so 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 end of evangelion is a reward but it is also another kick in the balls <laughs> no, i mean it's, it's a punishment it's both i mean because you're getting all the crazy shit but it, it is a bit of a like oh you 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 wanted it you wanted the real shit here it is you know and so this this is definitely like you know it's confrontational it's introspective it's emotional um and and i love it i mean i love this I, as the I ending do... of the show yeah, as long as they're, you know, I wouldn't love it without End of Evangelion, but I do love it, mm-hmm. and, I, and I love it, yeah, as as a little, not a palate cleanser, but like, a, as this uh, this culmination, but that knowing that there's more to come is, is helpful. Yes. Um, We haven't talked too much, and I like to do a little bit more research, and I have, over the years, there's a lot of, you know, dubious information out there, and mm-hmm. like, unsourced stuff, like we've always said, but the exact reasoning behind why this happened uh, especially in america it's hard to get like a straight yeah. answer of why were they running out of money was it just that they spent it was it the content of the show that has mm-hmm. you know that that had the investors balking and like pulling money from them um why the last minute changes because we, we know just from looking at this and the last episode that it does seem to be that they're that the movie is based on outlines and story ideas that they had for what the last two episodes of the show were supposed to be. Yeah. And they were unable to, to do that. And there's, you know, there's definitely, I don't want to tell you too much, but there's things that they set up in the show that they don't pay off in the show that they do pay off in the movie. Yeah. So it's, it's very clear that that was where they were heading in one way or another. It's very easy for me to imagine how end of Evangelion, like the, content of that movie would have been the content of these two past it's very easy for me to picture that i don't know if that's entirely true right um, and it certainly couldn't to the to the extremes that it is in a movie because the movie can go so much further than yeah. the tv show could in terms of censorships and content and stuff but yeah so there's all sorts of different rumors and stuff out there we did we did have uh somebody named addison write in on twitter and, and uh i guess her boyfriend's not on social media but <laughs> she <laughs> was doing it for him uh, and he had a couple of interesting ideas on, on a couple of different things that I thought were interesting. Um, and there's, well, first off, Karu, Karu's DNA, which yeah. I think is maybe the most fun aspect of what he wrote <laughs> in with. He pointed out, you know, that Shinji says he's betrayed by Karu just like father. Yep. That, that Karu looked like him and Ayanami. Mm-hmm. We have Adam's body in Gendo's hand mm-hmm. and Adam's soul in Karu's body. And the question of, well, who in the world does Shinji most want to hear say, I love you to him? Mm-hmm. And that's all Gendo. I, um, <laughs> you know, I loved my fun little theory. Of, you know, I, I think that I, I could still. Uh, but Addison's boyfriend makes a strong case. I think I agree with him. Yeah, it's um, pretty interesting. So Addison's boyfriend, I, I, I think that you, it's probably the, it's, that's probably what it is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not like sold, but I like it. And this is the type of fan theory that I like. Yeah. Like where there are multiple answers and they're all sort of interesting and they, they, they're fun and it's not like make or break to the plot. Yeah, it doesn't it, have it any... isn't <laughs> the bullshit theory that, uh, there are people out there that are like, Oh, I think, I think Obi-Wan Kenobi killed uncle Owen and aunt Baru to oh. force <laughs> Luke Skywalker to leave tattooing. <laughs> and it's like, 
the fuck are you talking about? Like, yeah, why, no, why would that not. ever be the plot? Like that, like that's funny as a joke, and mm-hmm. like to, but but to to actually read, like, no, I think that's what the narrative is. Is like the most asinine bullshit. Apologies, to, no, fuck it, no, not apologies. No. If you're a if you're an Obi Wan truther, murder truther. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, but it's but, just because if that was what it was, why would that not be in the movie? Yes, if and, that's the story you're telling, you'd put that in the movie. You'd put hints there. This is left intentionally vague. They don't. There's not even anybody that's like, who's his donor? I know. They, they, they don't raise the question in the show at it's all. It's the first time I ever thought so, to even ask it was just because we've we've exhausted. Yeah. And it was like I've seen this so many times that the other when we were watching the Coward episode, I was like, yeah, wait a second. So you're, you are totally from? free to speculate, yeah. and that is a great, you know, viewing of the clues. Yeah. I don't know. Like that's that's pretty sound to me. Yeah, it's a it's a strong um, case. I'm still gonna say that if that's the thing, and if Coward had a childhood, which we also don't know. I'm still gonna say that like Kaji probably babysat him or something, and so like there's a reason why he acts like Kaji. But I, yeah. I think genetically, I, uh, I think that that Addison's boyfriend is doing a well. The other thing that he read here. that he brought up though that we don't we we thought about and have been trying not to talk about because it's such a delicate thing. But there are sources out there. there there's the story that it's the Aum Shinrikyo sarin yep. gas attacks on Tokyo, which happened while the show was airing and if you don't know about the sarin gas attacks it was sort of a domestic terrorism attack Mm -hmm. that happened on the tokyo subway where um a group of it's a manson family-esque cult kind of yeah it is it is sort of cultists that were dissatisfied with society and you know like a lot of cults in america you know it sort of started with meditation and there's this crazy you know uh, charismatic cult figure guy but it was all about these this group of people that sort of wanted to they were unsatisfied with modern society wanted to remove themselves from it wanted to sort of wake everybody up and it has some sort of uncomfortable similarities to the 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 zila plot mm-hmm. um and there's a really interesting book about it by uh haruki murakami but yep. the majority of it focuses on the victims and he doesn't like he specifically didn't want to really talk about the philosophy of or give a platform for the cultists it was more about how did this affect the yeah. psyche of japan so because it was it was a big deal at the time i mean i remember seeing it on the news i guess i would have been in sixth or seventh I mean, grade yeah it's horrible because it was and i don't in, in japan doesn't have like a you know, at least in the modern context, I don't know how far back, but like that kind of violence or that kind of those actions. Because sarin gas, you know, there are lots of people who died and then there's lots of people who will just forever be fucked up by by it, by breathing it in, you know, left in sort of a vegetative kind of state or with, uh, you know, vision problems or, Mm -hmm. you know, dizziness, like just like it, it caused all sorts of, you know, chaos and, and yeah, the, the fallout was pretty horrible. Um, but, so that was a big thing, you know, sort of, I, I was, you know, in some ways comparable to like when, when you look at American popular culture and there's like the post nine eleven movies. Yeah, like, like how they had to reshoot scenes from Spider-Man, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, because it, they had stuff with the towers and the shots and stuff. And then it was like, there was a lot of last minute changes, like movies that had airplane plots or yep. bomb plots and stuff Lilo like and that. Stitch and, uh... Is that one of them? Yeah, I think that I just saw somebody on Twitter the other day talk about how like a plane in Lilo and Stitch was changed into a spaceship. Interesting. I remember that there was like some. It was like there was that was a big trouble, or there was like a, a Carl Hyacin movie oh. a book adaptation that was all. I think the plot involved like a airplane hijacking. It was like a big star-studded you know thing that like mm. I think it kind of got dumped or kind of got its release was delayed by like a if year because maybe of, it's just me, but for me, if you're talking about trouble movies. 
you got to talk about nothing but trouble. To <laughs> <laughs> have a whole podcast where we just analyze each frame of nothing but trouble. It's probably <laughs> on the trouble. Love it. Yeah. Uh, but that's all to say that, yeah, it's like I, I have, and I've heard that before as well, that, that Anno has, again, I, I, I'm trying to find the source. I was looking for the source before we started recording, but that Anno had said that there was stuff that he had changed about the show because that was ringing a little too close to home. And I don't know if that's stuff, what that would have been. Yeah. Because at the end you do see, you know, there's rating of compounds and there is that sort of violence. And obviously you can see the, philo- the philosophy of some of this, you know, the Zayla stuff does ring a little bit true with some of the stuff that I have encountered about what the Am Shemrikyo cult was all about. Yeah. But I hesitate to say we'll, too much about it because it, you know, I think I we'll really try. Know. I think we'll, I think the goal, just suggest yeah, we're just pinning that because he brought it up in, and, um, I'd like to look for more. We're going to try and find more information before we do End of Evangelion, which will be a couple weeks from now. So whenever, you know, if you guys hear this and if anybody has, like, any sourced stuff, like, let us know because it is hard to find. I mean, a couple years ago, I fell down a deep rabbit hole trying to read about this stuff. And then, you know, it's Well, it becomes such a, you know, yeah, urban legendy where where just the misinformation will spread. So it's like, well, one person tells you this read and it's like, okay, well, I guess that's true. You know, like the Mm -hmm. the whole thing that we talked about of Kiel being the quote unquote wandering Jew looking looking to die and seeking to Mm -hmm. make instrumentality happen so that he could finally rest. And it's like, well, that's not based on anything. And that's just kind of this anti-Semitic story. And somehow, that just gets repeated and you know it sounds like oh another cool aspect of christian mm-hmm. lore that i didn't know about um so it's tricky but, but speaking of that there's another apocryphal story that i'd like to try and find a source on i th- and i think this is legit but you know we all think it's mm-hmm. legit so who knows but that at the american anime convention shortly after the somebody complained about the ending of the show when Anna was there. Anna was a guest mm-hmm. and he was speaking through a translator. <laughs> I've referenced this before, yeah, yeah. Uh, this particular interview. And I said it was like third tier sort yeah. of uh, um, reliability, but that somebody raised their hand to complain about it. And Anna had been speaking through a translator the entire time. But when somebody asked about these last two episodes and being dissatisfied with them, that he grabbed the microphone away from the translator and just said in English, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Which I fucking hope is true. I, yeah, I really do. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, I do so hope. I just knew true. it was coming. Um, because he was very adamant, and this is sourced, and I can find the source, but that you should not, as an audience, expect to be catered to all the time. And that he even said, you know, despite the existence of my Evangelion Chronicle, which I will be referencing mm-hmm. in this episode, that there's not, you know, he's like, there's not going to be these guidebooks. There's not going to be <laughs> these things that just give you all the answers. Don't expect to be catered to all the time. Mm-hmm. It, this is it. And this means what you think it means. And you can see that in the philosophy of the show. This is very much him sort of saying to the otaku of the world, yes. and himself included, get the fuck out of your own head. Get into reality. You can't just run away into these fantasy worlds in isolation and expect... Uh, that you know, people to come to you, or for you to be healthier, for reality to bend to your will, because you, well, we'll we'll get into it, but that you need other people to define yourself, mm-hmm. and if you live in isolation and you hate yourself, then you will continue to hate yourself. And... Which, which I I can I'll say, and and just as a re- this 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 episode being basically an extension of the previous episode, like we're not gonna be able to go through and like you know break it down plot point by plot point so it will be sort of loose um structurally and so i don't think we're not we're gonna jump around but i think that 
if if you don't like this episode, like if you don't like the way the show ends, I, the, the only justifiable perspective to not like this is I have encountered in my life before. There are people who kind of just think that like meaning of almost any kind, like anything deeper than just pure entertainment is not the arena of entertainment and that that like if you are there there people like that i mean yeah that's like the kind of like the idea that like because what i mean this this eventually this does have you encountered these people yeah i can't remember who i had this conversation with specifically yeah i'll just pick a name of one of our friends and then tell you to go bob on twitter but like david bruckner (laughs) it's just yeah just absolutely, but no, I think I mean just the idea that, that no, this, David, <laughs> David Bruckner is a friend and collaborator. Yeah, who does not? I yeah, just pick him as a joke. No, it's not. It's uh, not. David. It is the not. most. He is maybe the most like intellectually yeah. like uh, voracious. Yeah, voracious. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, no, it would God, not be David at all. But there are, but there are people that kind of like you know that, that it's like the idea that Anna's basically breaking the fourth wall and is almost breaking the fourth wall by the end of this and speaking directly to the audience from a perspective of almost like self help. And to say that, like, oh, you know, like, like, if if you interpret that as preachy, like, oh, I don't want my art to like tell me to improve myself. Yeah, I mean, I or guess pretend. it is. It is. It is. I understand hard. if that's if that's your fundamental complaint. Yeah, I, I can sympathize with that. I don't have a problem with this because I actually think, in this case, it is really cool that that he he's really trying. Like you can feel like the the need that he's talking to himself. Mm-hmm. He's talking to the people that are like him, which he believes are the the fans, the otaku, the you know, like. He's created Shinji as this character to to work out things with himself, but also connect with other people. The show is him connecting with other people at the same time. Like I, there is a kind of like yeah. synchronous quality to the the meaning of the show on a personal level for everybody. That I I, I like that, and I think that's really cool. And I think that to give the people this and then to also give them the big crazy movie it's like yeah you're the best of all worlds yeah you do get the best of both worlds i mean yeah it, it, you're right in the, in the preachiness of it that it ultimately boils down to this concept of like rainy days make you feel sad mm-hmm. because you've been told that rainy days are sad mm-hmm. and sunny days make you feel happy because you've been conditioned to believe that but you can have fun on rainy days too <laughs> yeah. like, the, the ultimate moral of like all of this deep crazy philosophical stuff is just you could have fun on rainy days too it does feel a little bit like trite <laughs> well it, like, it, it comes down to being it's almost like like um i mean it's weird it's like it's it's like a self-care message it's like well, a, take care of yourself a, is the title of the yeah exactly second half of the show and this is way before that became like a thing that people talked about but being kind to yourself uh, being present choosing to love yourself yeah because if you if you do hate yourself it is a, it is a vicious cycle and, and i've and i've said before about this show like sometimes you need to hear the trite things because that is what's true yeah <laughs> like it is um but yeah that 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 self-hate just does become this perpetuating cycle and that choosing to like loving yourself can be a choice and that reality to a certain extent mm-hmm. is malleable oh, a garbage truck outside via your perceptions there's a transformer <laughs> in the room bumblebees come to weigh in that is so I, I assume that's picking up that's so loud i should probably it is quite loud um there's something else i was gonna say oh i was gonna talk about the title real quick uh, which is the beast that shot at love at the heart of the world, which is a reference to a Harlan Ellison short story, mm-hmm. the beast that shot at love at the heart of the world. Now, the fun thing here, and this is this is the interesting thing, because the the ending of this episode, with the walls cracking down, and everybody saying congratulations, mm-hmm. 
I've gone back and forth throughout the years, and I said in the last episode, I kind of landed on. I think this is. I'm trying to spoil the movie. I know. We're gonna, we will holistically discuss all this stuff once we have the movie, but we're going to try to do our best here. But does Shinji accept or reject the instrumentality process yes. by the end of this know. episode? Is he choosing to... Is he? Are they congratulating him because now we are all one big soul and entity? Or are they congratulating him because he's learned the truth about reality and I can be myself and I'm choosing to be my own individual person in a world with other individual people and mm-hmm. I've discovered through this process how to navigate that. Yeah, does he is, is his journey of sort of self-worth uh make him want individu- individuation like right. to, like is this ending that? with him yeah mm-hmm. choosing himself or is it ending with him choosing the the world of instrumentality. Um and the fun thing is the the Japanese word for love is I A mm. I pronounced oh, yeah, yeah. I so when you're reading this, the beast that shouted I at the heart of the world, it could be I as in I as an individual, mm-hmm. which seems to be like, oh, well, then he has chosen his own identity mm-hmm. as an individual. Uh, the beast that shouted I am at the heart of this this swirling uh, group of souls, and I'm choosing to say I and be myself. Or is it love, mm-hmm. which would be more like, okay, I'm choosing community. I'm choosing the the singularity of instrumentality of this all souls are one mm-hmm. and it's just love so even the the title sort of could be read in multiple ways i mean or i mean or the love could be the self-love that we just self-love yeah. yeah i mean there's, which yeah. i think is probably what it is but that had tripped me up over the years and i was like fascinated by even like down to that that there's the convenient thing of you could read the title to support either either read. yeah no and i think and, I, and it's and it, but i think you're right I think, and, and because it does, if I just like pull back and think narratively, I mean, it does seem like, like, the better story for Shinji is to ultimately value himself enough to, not, to 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 continue to to persevere and struggle through a life of yeah. Otherwise, he didn't into this identity. He didn't learn anything. He essentially just killed himself. Like it's yeah. a story of somebody who just chooses to die and return to nothingness and is happy about that, which I don't think is what Ano necessarily. Mm-hmm. had in mind which i don't know but i mean i do you know i don't even know i mean in certain perspectives or circumstances that that like i can understand why that's not a bad thing if that is what happens well, even but down into that... the platinum booklets which i've been referencing um <laughs> it says in the end uh let's see it says some very intriguing stuff at the end here. It says the moment that Shinji gains conviction that it is okay for him to be there, the background changes and the blue earth spreads beneath his feet. However, there are no continents on this earth and it is covered by a gigantic coral reef. It seems this is the earth that has been transfigured by the instrumentality project. And I, I was like, what? I never I took that to be literal. Yeah, I never I took that congratulations at the end when they're all standing there to be like they're literally on, this is what the earth looks like now. Yeah, I'm looking. we're looking at it now and I can see... I mean, I, I get that, but I don't. I certainly don't think that visual. Inf- it's like the, the, this is the world now. It's just this vast coral reef with like half a like a, a dozen or more people just kind of standing well, around. Well, but like that's. I mean, like I can understand how if the idea is that like if this was more of like a climate change or like eco plot kind of thing that like if the idea of instrumentality was to like eradicate humanity and like a let the, let the planet heal itself or something you know like if it was more of like a like a thanosy type thing or something uh-huh. that like that that the the image of like a like a planet that is like 
continued to live without humans and would grow. It's like if that's no. what they were, but that's, that's not really part of the plot. Like they don't really, right? That's never been like a thing. And so I don't, I don't see this shot of them standing on this planet as being something I'm supposed to be able to read and go. No, it, oh, it, yes, it feels exactly. like it continues to be in the mental landscape. Like mm-hmm. this is just emotionally what Shinji's. Well, I also, don't, I also don't see why instrumentality would change the physical properties of the planet. Sure. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um. Other well, than the absence of humans would, yeah. And we'll see you know, what happens in Enemy of Angelion. But, like, the more intriguing thing is that the very, the very last sentence of, well, the last couple of sentences. Because, you know, at the end of the show, we have, uh, to my father, thank you, to my mother, farewell, and to all the children, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um, the Platinum Booklet points out that Ava's sort of an Oedipus complex story, which, you know, the story of Oedipus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so an Oedipus complex in Freudian things is that you sort of, all young men want to murder their father and have sex with their mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like a natural thing, and that's what happens in the story of Oedipus Rex. But the idea here that uh, Shinji is a boy who loves his mother and hates his father, and, you know, without all the other weird Oedipal stuff in there, but that in the end, by the end of the show, these captions sort of suggest that he's come to terms with his father and understanding and thanks him. He's outgrown his dependence on his mother by saying farewell to her. I don't need you anymore, necessarily. And then it says, perhaps the latter two captions mean, this is a world where all the children born into it deserve to live. It is left for the audience to decide whether this ending is the best ending or the bad ending. <laughs> I, <laughs> Which is like, okay. Is it, I mean, am I crazy that, like, I feel like at least at times, if not alternating or, or whatever, I, I've wondered if those cards at the end weren't, intended to be direct communication from Anno to the... Like, it almost felt like an epigraph. I, I've, I've thought that as well. And, and then somebody, somebody is... else on Twitter flagged this on the thing that Anno had, like, an abusive father. Oh, yeah, shit, I should find that. Yeah, like, that seemed really relevant in, in the idea that, like, it was the first time anybody had, like, found something that actually said that his relationship with his father was, was not unlike the Gendo thing. Yeah, I can keep rambling when you look that. for it. But so, so, I mean, what would be interesting to know if it was possible to find is whether or not um, at the time of this airing, like when they made this, was Anno's father still alive, and was his mother had his mother passed away? Because uh-huh. because if if you if you were to tell me that like yeah Anno had this abusive father who he was like in distant contact with and wasn't really close with, and his mother had passed away when he was a younger person, and that he was representing some versions of those experiences through the Shinji character, and that by reaching yeah. this ending point, he gave an epigraph that basically did forgive his you know forgive his father yeah say goodbye to his mother and and present the idea that like there's hope for the children of the world or something like i i i can take either one as yeah. whether it's within the story i don't or... i don't buy that i mean this i just don't feel like this could be a bad ending i don't know just tonally it just doesn't feel like at all like was just supposed to be like ominously you know creepy you know it's like no this is just purely no i don't i don't read it that way at I all I, I can't really read this as a bad ending um but there is something in End of Evangelion that mm-hmm. farewell mother. It's a line that is important in End of Evangelion. So yeah. that seems like some of the shots from the previous episode, like something that is you know, not, not foreshadowing, but a connection to what happens in in the movie. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't remember some of the finer details, so. We'll see when we get there. Um, I found the thing about Anno's father. Should yeah. I yeah, talk about it. that? I mean, it's kind of a long article. I don't know that I want to read the whole um, thing, but it is pretty interesting. 
I mean, um, you, if you want to skim it and just give us the broad points. I then. came across it with this guy, Justin Savakis, who didn't reach out to, to us directly, but had just posted oh, it. Oh, you just found Okay, I couldn't remember. Well, uh, Ava Monkey posted it, and then somebody else drew our attention to it. Uh, oh, Michael okay. Rookard uh, tweeted, retweeted mm-hmm. the, the original thing and drew our attention to it. So thank you to him for doing that. Yeah, thank you. Um, but the original tweet... You know, has I was going through my old files and found this newspaper clipping from about twenty years ago still relevant somehow, and it is disability shapes taste for the imperfect <laughs> about mm. Ano from the Asahi Shimbun. Um, and it was and a- it's written by Ano, so I mean, should I just read it? Sure, why not? It's kind of long, but it's it's the only thing I've ever found. Yeah, stumbled across that really detailed anything about Ano's father, mm-hmm. so it was. Fascinating I mean, I, me. it was very easy to make the assumption that. Like this is that Gindo is based on his father in some yeah. way. Like that's just you just immediately assume that. I but this I yeah, I'd have never heard anything um, tangible or, or specific. So this is from I'm not sure when, but Anna was 39 at the time. Okay. Um, he says my father has only one leg. While working at a lumber mill, he had his left leg seriously injured with an electric saw. He was 16 years old at the time. He wears an artificial leg below the thigh. He has trouble walking, so he used to stay at home. He was running a tailor's shop with his wife in Ube, Yamaguchi Prefecture. He became a tailor because he could not work sitting on a chair. He had no trouble peddling a sawing machine. Father had an operation at a local hospital, but the surgeon did a poor job. I often saw an edge of the bone still peeking out of the flesh, and he felt pain because his artificial leg didn't fit. After walking for a long time, he would take off the device and massage his thigh. So about the only time I went out with him was when there was a festival in town. In my boyhood, father was melancholy. I often overheard him complaining to mother, I wouldn't lose out to anybody if I had two healthy legs. As a small child, I could understand how he felt about his handicap. I think he was emotionally unstable. Maybe that's why he beat and kicked me when I did something wrong. Sometimes mother came to my rescue and ran away, holding me in her arms. Father also said something very cruel to me, though I don't remember exactly what he said. It had the same connotation as what a frustrated mother might say to her unwanted child. I wish you were not here. Mm. Go away. Mm-hmm. When I was in senior high school, low-priced, ready-made suits hit the market, and father couldn't make a living just running a tailor shop, so he began delivering newspapers. He made his rounds in the town on a bicycle. Maybe he wanted to show that he could work like anybody else. I think something in him changed after that. He stopped complaining around that time. He got a driver's license and often made a short trip with my mother. Father says nothing about my productions. Maybe he does not understand animations. I meet him perhaps once every two or three years. I feel distant from my family. But there is no doubt that I have been influenced by my father's physical handicap. I cannot love anything perfect. To me, robots without a hand or leg look better. In my animation, Tetsujin 28 Go, Iron Man number 28, the robot loses his arm. I love that scene. While in elementary school, I would draw a robot on my notebook or in a blank space of the textbook, and then I would rub out a part of the body and show something that looks like a bone. The robots that appear in my productions usually get injured in battle and end up in bad shape with a part of the body broken. Something broken or deficient comes more naturally to me. Sometimes that thing is the body. Sometimes it is the mind. Yeah, that's interesting. It is interesting. So that would have been in 1999, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's after, so that's a couple years. At, what, year, what year did End of Evangelion come 97. Out? So that's two years after yeah. End of Evangelion. Yeah, so, so he's talking about his father like he's still alive there. So that's at least half of the puzzle, like you know. Mm-hmm. But he only sees him every two or three years. Yeah, which is exactly what is I would have assumed. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. Very Gendoy. So again, I I I'm still not so sure that 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 little thing isn't isn't meant to be a a dedication kind of thing. Um, yeah, sure. 
And yeah, they congratulate to all the children. Just, you know, just thanking the viewers for watching and congratulations. Mm-hmm. Get a, <laughs> get get your shit together. Um, the instrumentality project really gets explained here for the for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like we we talked about it in the last episode because it was hinted at, but it really gets its due here. And I do just want to read it from yep. the Evangelion Chronicle because it does nicely. <laughs> from a concrete source explain exactly what it is so the human instrumentality project was a large-scale plan that encompassed the entire human race the idea was to merge all human souls into one entity so that they could supplement each other and compensate for the flaws everyone perceives within themselves this would eradicate negative concepts like uncertainty and fear and uh yeah then it goes on to say some other stuff but that's the basic idea there so is is there isn't there like some Plato thing about separated souls merging back to compensate? I mean, the, the mm, I don't know. There's I'm gonna look. We'll look into it before the next episode. I just remember, and this is the there's another weird reference I'll make. If I remember correctly, I kn- I heard about this at the beginning of uh, it's like in the opening of um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Oh, I think okay, which I haven't seen in probably twenty years. But, I've actually never seen it. I was very intrigued by it, and I never actually saw it. But I, th- I feel like there's, some, I, th- I think I th- want to say it's Plato referencing the idea of like that your soulmate is like the, it's like a person that fits in compensates. I don't know, whatever. Oh, I th- sure. I think that yeah. that's something that probably has a relevance to what this idea of instrumentality, like where this came from, in terms of like. Well, is that, what is it? The conceptually, uh, <laughs> this is the lyric from the um, postal service song. About God making people like puzzle pieces from the clay, <laughs> and you fit together perfectly. Yeah, there you go. Other person. So, so yeah, I you know would assume that there's a common reference point there. I Probably. think it's. I want to say it's Plato, but I could just be totally fucking wrong. I don't know. Uh, it's another me looking stupid thing. Um, I don't want to call out. that I find this fascinating. Uh, very beginning of this has a bunch of. It was funny because I hit play and then went to like. Uh, you, tu- tur- you turned around for like two seconds to mute my like laptop while everything and i missed like 15 cards of information yeah. and so we had to rewind it and go back and look at them and the first thing that struck me is like the first or second card calls out that it's 2016 yeah that the present day is 2016 and i it's it's shocking or just interesting to me because this was you know that's 20 years ahead of when the show was actually being released. So it's always funny. People, you know, on Twitter and stuff seem to love these things. It's like when you make a sci-fi thing that takes place in the future, you're to the large degree, just arbitrarily choosing a right. year that but sounds it, like But it is future. fun that in Akira, it says the Olympics are going in 2020 mm-hmm. are in Tokyo. And yeah, that's true. Yeah. And so it's always just fun to see how these things go. But the idea that like instrumentality occurs in 2016, this like fundamental shift in the, the path of humanity and stuff. And it, I, you know the 2016 election here in the states like obviously to a lot of people had a kind of apocalyptic, apocalyptic feel. feel to the thing and later on this when... is hilarious i don't know if netflix is, translates this or not but our yeah platinum dvds do translate the headlines on the newspaper that gendo is reading yeah they... in the old so there's this whole alternate thing that's kind of like a high school comedy where it's like oh this is a different reality that he could choose so presumably that's meant to be an alternate reality 2016 and on the newspaper that Gendo's reading, it says first African-American female president elected. Yeah. And the idea that like, oh, there's like this pivot point that like 20, the 2016 election in the States was supposed to be 
oh, this the we're gonna get the first female president, and instead we get this like monster and this horrible, this like <laughs> well, globe shifting apocalyptic nightmare. The and other... that in the alternate version that we're instrumentally doesn't happen, we have a African American female president. It's like, oh wow, that's well, because really that, the other headline is that they open up the uh, South Pole Research Center for uh, tourists. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, in this world, which seems to be the dream world, yes, second impact did not happen, and we have a black female president. It's <laughs> yeah. not Trump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I just... I just... And everything's just like a sex comedy. You know, Masada's yeah. a teacher. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about... I don't know if we want to jump to that. That's like the meat of the episode, because it's the one that's traditional animation. Yeah, it's so the actual new narrative content of the episode. A lot of the fun stuff to talk about. I don't know if we want to I was, talk about I did that have another... I had a couple now? of other things that I want to... Before I, There's I, definitely stuff before that I want to talk about. Well, I just was like... It was just funny to me to think about... And I can talk about this more in the interviewing that episode, but like, just thinking about like... Any other, you know, like narrative medium, narrative media that is this like big and crazy and cool for this to be the end, which is largely like repurposed stuff from previous episodes that is like dubbed with different dialogue and just this pure introspection thing. And I was like, and I don't have like a really good pitch for this yet, but it was like, like I was like trying to imagine like taking another existing American like movie franchise and trying to. picture how you would do this and it's like it would be like if if you could re-edit like avengers endgame or something uh-huh. to being like some sort of like introspective thing like i don't know which character would make the most sense but like i would love to see some fan try to cut together <laughs> the like episode 26 version of like the avengers sure. thanos thing or something like i don't know what it would be but i i would love to sort of like well, imagine yeah. how that would work just like shots from the other movies if it's like hawkeye or somebody that they're oh, just like oh, I see. all like, repurposed footage and yeah, stuff yeah yeah with the music and with the feelings and stuff like it would be cool i always thought it was it gonna it hit around the same time and i've talked about buffy on this podcast a lot but the season four finale of buffy uh which is an episode called restless that all takes place in dreams oh yeah always one of my favorite episodes in part one of the best yeah because it hit shortly after i'd seen Evangelion for the first time, and it really felt like Buffy doing Evangelion because they they climax the season in the episode before that, and I'm like, well, so what are they gonna do? And instead, it's all this sort of abstract free association, completely formative breakdown mm-hmm, of, of mm-hmm. the show that that does go into each character's dreams and breaks each character down kind of psychologically, and even has like sort of weird bongoy music mm-hmm. and stuff like that yeah i need to rewatch that again and and uh, and i'll just yeah i wonder if i wonder if joss has seen he probably has by now i don't know if he would have at the time i I feel like he wouldn't have at the time i mean like that would have been like 99 2000 something uh yes 2000 so it's like he could have but it's yeah i desperately wanted him to yeah (laughs) i just really like wanted to like go to the buffy posting board parties and and give him a copy and they (laughs) just please watch this i mean he must have by now one day, one day, I'm one curious. day. Because, oh, but you mentioned the music, though. I, this is just a funny, nerdy thing that when we were watching episode <laughs> 25 last week, uh, the, that sort of beat, sort of pure mood sounding thing that comes up was like, I was like, that sounds so much like some specific beat. And I think Kevin said it was maybe a samba beat. And I think it, I think that might be the type of beat it is, but it's it's the same. It's very similar to um, the Steely Dan track, Do It Again. And then do it again. Even has like a sort of extended. Are we not allowed to play? I can probably do that. I, I, I can. I want to see if I can cut that in because it is. It's fair use. We're like we're making comparison. We're not profiting off of it. Yeah, I think. I think uh, it'd be fun to do. Yeah, it's it's parody or whatever they whatever the thing you. Yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll cut that in if I can. Fair use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something like that. 
Uh, so yeah, just if you're a music nerd like me and you think it's funny that there's a beat that sounds like a Steely Dan beat, there you go. I thought it was funny. Yeah, somebody people have pointed out online that the decisive battle sounds a lot like the From Russia with Love uh, oh. music. Interesting. Is the From Russia with Love thing, and it's in Thunderball. Yeah, it's in a bunch of a while since those were my favorite ones as a kid, but I haven't seen them in a while. Well, I can look that up and see if I can. Yeah, there's somebody. There's a YouTube that actually cuts back and forth between the two tracks. I mean, because essentially this is, and it says at the beginning of the episode, instrumentality is happening, the things that people have lost, all the soldier merging into one. That's too much to talk about, so we're just going to focus on Shinji. <laughs> <laughs> so it is, we're saying this is the case of Shinji Ikari. This yeah. is who we're focusing on. And we've talked about the ending. We kind of are jumping all over and going on in order mm-hmm. here. But the idea is that you're ultimately getting him to this point where he needs to realize that he's been hating himself, and that's why he feels you know unimportant and and useless is because he himself you know if he can't love himself then yeah he's going to continue to sort of assume that everybody else hates him Mm -hmm. um so he through his perceptions can sort of shape his reality he can make the choice to view things a certain way and help make his life better but one of the ways they illustrate that is they sort of show him a world where he doesn't have to be an Ava pilot and mm-hmm. what would that world be like and it takes the form of this romantic comedy slice of life anime it's just kind of i mean it's it kind of is in my understanding at least or what i always perceived it as it's like i mean Anna's the show that followed this that he created was his and her circumstances her which circumstances. is kind of what this is this is, this is like the the little version of this high school romantic comedy thing it just basically feels like the precursor yeah. to that um well it plays on a lot of high school romance tropes and yeah like and it's a, horny it's a guys and girls you know slapping guys around i do like that yeah this this perfect world is you know yeah that there's second effect in heaven a female african-american president and just all the guys just get beat up by the chicks all yeah. the time. uh and our yeah uh, even toji uh is just sort of this um well, and Shinji, Shinji's like kind of horny in this. Like, this is we talk yeah. about Shinji's yeah. sexuality, and this is like, you know, he's actually expressing, you know, interest or at least uh, pretending to. I don't know. He's like bragging for in front of his bros that he saw raise panties. Yeah, and, and they're and all like, three guys are like super excited when Misato shows up. They're all leaning out the mm-hmm. window with their smiles. Uh, but it's not. I mean, you know, it's pervy, but it's I don't know. It's not played in any sort of like gross way. It's just no. it's like all fun, fun and madcap. Um, stuff but this is this world is the basis for there's a video game called girlfriend of steel that was oh a, yeah you told me about a this. visual novel I'm, I'm trying to figure out how i can possibly play a translated version of it because i've mm. always 
been intrigued by it. It's it's a visual novel. If you don't know what those are, it's like one of those games where you're sort of like, you know, old computer games. Not exactly point and click, but you sort of like make choices and dialogue choices, mm-hmm. or kind of like a choose your own adventure thing. And you see pictures, and you like kind of help dictate the story. But mm-hmm. it's not like a traditional game in the sense that you're like really button mashing or anything like that. But uh, there was Girlfriend of Steel and Girlfriend of Steel 2, and I believe maybe it's Girlfriend of Steel 2, but takes place in basically this universe. Yeah. And then there are a couple of manga series. There's uh, Angelic Days, which uh, I've read all of that, that takes place here, basically, uh, with Ray being the mysterious, beautiful transfer student. And <laughs> yeah, Ray, Asuka Ray being, being like, you know, like she's like loud and funny and like yeah. expressive. And so very strange to see she has uh, a piece of toast in her mouth and then there's the shinji akari <laughs> raising project which is also a video game based on the rei ayanami raising project which is based on princess maker which is all going back to gainax games yeah. which we can talk about but the there's a long-running manga that's shinji akari raising also called shinji akari mm-hmm. raising project and it takes place in this this world but it's too. like it's like a tamagotchi thing or something where you raise that we, we talked yeah, about this well, before one of the things that gynox in the early days did to make money like they, they didn't really know what they were you know it wasn't like we we're an anime studio mm-hmm. they were just a bunch of nerds who got together to do stuff and a lot of what they did was make model kits for fans to put together mm-hmm. and you know eventually they were like getting the real licenses for things to you know okay we'll make you produce x amount of model kits for this convention so they were like, you know, fans that would carve and make otaku goods, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they were making anime. They were making live action shows uh, or short films, which we talked about the Ultraman mm-hmm. thing. But they were also making video games. And one of the big things that really gave them a lot of money was this video game called Princess Maker, which was like a Tamagotchi type game. And it was <laughs> playing as desire of Japanese men to like, you know, you like you raise this <laughs> girl <laughs> and, you know, you like get to you know dress her and it was like playing dolls you no know, like you get to dress her and they get like what job she's gonna have and you sort of like take care of this <laughs> this beautiful girl but does she grow into being an adult i think so so it's just like a it's just like fantasy football but for having a daughter yeah but you know obviously it's also kind of like you know oh yeah I, it's, you know there's a pervy quality to it but you know it, it's it's just it's different in you know 2019 America. No, I know, and, I know, I know. And, and so, it's, it's funny. It's funny. Yeah, I I mean it sounds gross and weird, but there is this whole like a cultural difference of the whole uh, you know moe yeah. as a whole thing of like the the obsession with all things cute, and sometimes that's conflated with sexuality, and sometimes it's not. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's just the desire of like. Oh, you know, oh she's so cute. Like I've got to take care of her, and, and mm-hmm. that, that can be a pure. In this, you know, it, it, I know it all gets pervy in America, and we always jump mm-hmm. there. And there, obviously, there is a part of that. And you have Japan as a very, you know, sometimes sexually repressive uh, culture. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was a game where, where you the raise youth. a girl and you get to dress her and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And so and they made a rave. They version. made a rave version mm-hmm. where you get to raise a little Ray, and instead of having her in this like four by four concrete room yeah. with like gross water and stuff, you you know do other things and you sort of. Um, yeah, have her personality, you know, grow and change and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then they made a Shinji one. Um, they also made a weird Game Boy one where you're like a raising an angel, like a fetal like oh. angel, and you play as Kaji. 
Wow. And so there's like minor like role playing aspects of it, but you're ultimately like, yeah. And it'll, it'll turn into like a full grown angel from the show. I was going to, because I was going to make a gremlins joke about the, the, the Ray one. It's like, well, if you feed her after midnight, she turns into an angel or something. <laughs> but that's the, I didn't realize that there was one where you actually it's do an grow an angel raising it. game, mm-hmm. uh, which is very Tamagotchi. But yes, so that's, but that, that princess maker was huge for Gynox and is probably what, allowed them to stay afloat financially sure, in order sure. to pursue stuff like Evangelion. That's so, cool. Yeah. Anyway, Princess Maker. Yeah. Well, it's a... uh, well, I mean, we probably should do a whole episode just about the even the Eva video games, but that's... A, a we keep talking about it. Yeah. We keep talking about it. Well, I just gave... I just wasted a good, good chunk of information for that yeah, episode. whatever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I have the 64 game. I have Battle Orchestra. Um, I'd like to play some of the others. I don't think I've ever played any un- of them. Unfortunately, you know, the, the, a lot of the story and text-based games, it's hard to mm-hmm. get a translation. Um, so, so it, anything else to say about the fantasy world? I mean, that's the fun stuff. I mean, it just also that it reminded me of Peanuts again. Uh, like, it, oh yeah, in that we had somebody point out that there was a guy next, like, um, actually made, made had, little funny Peanuts spoof Evangelion things that were really cute. They came with the um, DVDs, I think. So that I mean, um, that was me also that, Michael uh, Rookard who uh, you. something else. Yeah, that that on the Gynox had official parody Peanuts parody comics and they came with the vhs and laserdisc releases of evangelion in japan and you see which basically answers my initial question many many months ago which is like how much of an influence would that have been on the yeah. dynamic of the characters and i think the answer is obvious that they like that it's, stuff. it's pretty great it has like kensuke and shinji sitting at the campfire um in drawn in like peanuts style mm-hmm. with shinji asking what is friendship about do you, do you know kensuke <laughs> and kensuke says friends talk about the difference between an ar-16 and an am-16 <laughs> and it has a little pen pen flying by with a little dotted line to denotate the path uh-huh. of his flight like woodstock mm-hmm, in the peanuts mm-hmm. comedies of upside down flying pen pen with a little it's very cute and very funny mm-hmm. and spot on yeah so this so the, the the perfect world stuff here like yeah it, it reminds me of that it reminds me of other anime and stuff like that and that's kind of the point um and it's just such a weird oasis it's especially interesting when you watch it you know, in between Evangelion, like, like the show gets so dire and mm-hmm. then you get this little oasis of, oh yeah, everybody's Wait, fun. does it have the Masato Ray's theme smiling. in it too? It has a Masato da, theme da, in da, it. Da, yeah. Da, da, it. It's so da, much so that it confused da, me and I you know, da, da. checking my phone. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> it is so bizarre. <laughs> it's so distracting. Shouldn't have done that to myself, but yeah. And then the movie again gets pretty, pretty dire. Yeah. So, it just structurally, it's such a fascinating, and it's a thing that I just am dying to recreate in something that I do is like you know really pushing it. It's at, at this point towards the brink, and then giving you that weird thing where it just feels like hearing that theme again and seeing like Ray smile is so like bizarre emotionally. The whiplash of that of like oh fuck. I mean, it's and just, then going back into it's and just even so like, like this is just a little, little mini rant. It, it's somebody's gonna do it eventually and it'll never be as good as this probably but just there is this kind of like like we've we're breaking down all the barriers between content in in the way that narrative is consumed Mm -hmm. in this country and it's like the idea that i mean this obviously wasn't like we said like totally up to plan but this is the most evangelion as a collection of tv episodes and then subsequent films like 
is the most interesting like w- like trajectory to sort of like take you down this weird rabbit hole and end with this and then give you crazy it's like somebody some narrative in the states needs to be some you know netflix show or something needs to have this crazy of a path intentionally <laughs> built in right. and there's always these things where it's like they're gonna like oh like like there's the new breaking bad movie that's gonna be coming out which i don't think was ever planned that was like but it's like mm-hmm. the, in the same way that like you could do that now you could do that with one of these things and actually make a show that yeah. ends this crazy and takes you in such a thing and then gives you like rewards you or punishes you it's like i, I don't know i'm just curious to see yeah, when i that mean happens. some of it is just like you can't force it you have to kind of arrive there maybe like that's, they, maybe that's, you know, that's why it works so well is because it wasn't like oh we're, then we're gonna build to this thing and do it mm-hmm. but uh, yeah i mean i think there's a lot of lessons to learn from this and and, and buffy again i think joss is a is a person that does traffic in some of this kind of stuff very yeah. intentionally no, yeah yeah like thinking of an episode that has a flashback to a musical episode and so you have a character like really spritefully singing about something that's really actually dark and sad subject matter is actually very similar to the subject matter of this episode of having no identity or sense of self and just mm-hmm. completely being uh, flailing. And then, you know, before the note can finish at the end of the triumphant song with the disturbing lyrics, you smash cut to that character impaled <laughs> in, a, in, yeah. a, in a wall. And it's like, yeah, p- playing with the, that juxtaposition of like the, such the, the whiplash of tonal shift fuck yeah no it's true it's true and then dark again (laughs) you know i mean joss has that new um that new show that you know i'll be excited to see him return to that form because yeah if if anybody's gonna find interesting ways to stretch or 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 do american stuff in the in the same way that anna's doing that with with the anime here i think it is him so yeah interesting times so yeah there's that Mm-hmm. And that kind of leads into the ending, and that's it's that fantasy world that kind of lets him see, oh, the world could be like this. Mm-hmm. And I don't take that to mean that he's making the world no. into that, and that this is where he ends up. I think he's realizing, again, the conceit that his mother said earlier, anywhere can be a heaven if you have the will to live. So, you know, and obviously, look, reality sometimes sucks, and not everybody can just be like, well, just fake it till you make it put on a happy face and mm-hmm. the, you know, it doesn't i don't think and i don't think anno intends it to be like sort of a dismissive like well if you're depressed just get over it loser but it does speak to a lot of people who just emotionally do shut down and get a little bit emotionally or otherwise lazy uh, and expect everything to come to them mm-hmm. expect happiness to come to them and it's like well you need to find your own reason for being you need to have that for yourself that sense of self-worth for yourself so find that within yourself and that can start to change the exterior world for you yeah i mean that is i mean we've talked no one can give it to you i mean being i mean the idea of being kind to yourself it's it it comes up i think culturally now i mean that is what the self-care stuff is but like you know i mean very i've talked about this very freely i mean i've been in therapy for something like three years now or something i was i was seeing i saw my therapist this morning and and that's been a big I mean, that's been a big thing that, and this is the second therapist I've had that both talk about, you know, the importance of being kind to yourself. And, and when I, you know, have been gone through really difficult things and I, and I am trying to control aspects of my life that I can't control. And it, it, that's, that comes up even more. It's like, well, you can't control the aspects of your life. You can't make things, you can't, things won't change immediately, but if the more you're kind to yourself, the more you will be able to handle these experiences and it's mm-hmm. it's hard to tell somebody to do that i mean it you can't you can't snap that on but i no. think the more you get that in your head and the more you sort of like 
try to change your perspective by reminding yourself of that. Yes. You know, I, it's like, I, I do think that there is a, there's potential positive in that. And, and, and if, if just saying it might sound sort of trite initially, I do think that the, that's a real thing and what Anna's sort of striving for here. I mean, I'm, I assume it sort of worked to some degree for him because all that stuff about his depression and stuff <laughs> like, like it that. Continues like it to sort of fluctuate, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's, that's, but, that's but, life. And, and it, like it, Shinji's not going to be like, it's not like if he like goes back to the world, he could just suddenly be happy. Well, because ultimately, yeah, you can't, you have to do it yourself, but everybody has to do it for yourself. And really the path forward for humanity is not to merge all souls into one and try and eradicate pain that way. It's just for everybody to sort of be accountable and to look to other people not for your own sense of worth, but to help define yourself into, you know, you can lead by example. If, if you lead by example, then other people in your life may see you being healthy and leading by example. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's, this guy's happy. I should be more like him. I should carry myself more like that person. And, you know, like the, the, the pay it forward positivity mm-hmm. of you do need other people. And if everybody would sort of be accountable for themselves and not these Shinjis that are like needing without giving you know or hating and expecting somebody else to love them when they hate themselves but Mm -hmm. if everybody could sort of do this that's how you get you know sort of the happy-go-lucky world well because even yeah no specifically on that but isolation is not the pathway one of the it's it's funny in the episode he says he let me see if i get this right (laughs) he says i'm he's like i hate myself and they're kind of telling me he's like i'm a gutless hypocritical wimpy coward and then now that you know that yeah you can no, embrace you can love yourself yeah see, see it, if you understand yourself you can be kind see and that's and that's you actually but i think that's a really he's a wimpy coward yeah i think that's the important thing of it is is that like it comes off as funny because it doesn't mean that the chinji needs to like walk around and like proud like like own the fact that he's a wimpy coward like he can make self-improvements but that that like you don't it's not like the the point of this isn't for him to suddenly be like, I'm so great. I'm so great. I'm so great. No, it's to understand yourself. Yeah. It's, it's be accepting of yourself, yourself and in getting used to understanding. Yeah. I have the tendency to run away. You know, it would be speaking from Shinji's right. perspective and, and, and that's not always a bad thing, you know, like, like stopping and sort of being analytical about who you are and what your impulses are, what your, your strengths, strengths are. And your weaknesses. Yeah, exactly. It's both yeah. things. So I, under, I understand my weakness is this. So I'm going mm-hmm. to, maybe make efforts to be oh yeah that's right this is my weakness i need to be careful i need to change that you know i'll often find myself in you know arguments or emotionally hot situations or you know observing people and these sorts of things and i have to sort of stop and remind myself remind other people of like what what is what is the end result of what do you want to happen here Mm mm-hmm and if, if you want your actions to result in hurting the other person, if that's the end desire, maybe you need to reassess or reevaluate what it is you're trying to accomplish with this. Yeah. You know, like, so in the, in the heat of a fight or whatever, and it's just like, if you're just trying to hurt the other person, is that really what you want? And maybe don't say that. Or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, sort of navigate in a different way. Yeah. No, <laughs> I think. the I... end result you actually want. Yeah, it's it's so. I mean, this is all heavy, like real life shit for a show about all this crazy stuff. But this no. is like everything that is discussed in this episode. I think is really, it's good for anybody to hear. And you know, I mean, yeah, I I personally think everybody should be in therapy. But I I you know, if you're not or if you are, uh, this episode is a great little primer to like just some some you know some good things to take to take home and think about uh, to supplement or you know get you started on like 
that kind of a thing because everybody probably needs to, to have a greater sense of their strengths and their weaknesses, right? Sure. Like even somebody who's like thinks that they're awesome, that just means they're probably ignoring their weaknesses. Well, more. that Asuka thought she was awesome, but deep down it's because she needs people to think that she's awesome because she is afraid of rejection. Yeah. Uh, uh, because her mother abandoned her when she was younger and she doesn't want that to happen again. So I mm-hmm. must prove my worth to make sure that nobody else leaves me behind. I need to be seen. All eyes on me at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, but that gets into some of my favorite stuff in the episode. Yeah, my favorite goes... moment is when it gets into the more abstract animation and it illustrates some philosophical concepts. I'm not even sure what philosophy this... Yeah. It's not existentialism. I don't know exactly. I isn't there like a isn't there a is it a, is it da, Daffy Duck? Isn't there a Daffy Duck cartoon that's basically this? Uh, there's some of that, yeah, with the with the animator. Yeah, but the the notion that complete freedom, you know, is is oblivion that you have the Shinji that's illustrated that's just sort of floating there, like God like, moving over the face of the waters. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is a world of complete freedom, but he doesn't know what to do. There's nothing here. There's no one but him. There's no friction. Sense of self. Mm -hmm. So Gendo's voice appears. It's like, well, then we'll give you a limitation. We'll give you up and down. So he draws Mm -hmm. the ground, and Shinji's able to walk on the ground. And the idea is like, okay, now you have orientation. Mm -hmm. Now you have a sense of more security. You're not just flailing and... Uh, You feel more secure because now you have a limitation, but what you've done there is given up a degree of your freedom. Mm-hmm. And that's a concept that's so interesting to me, uh, especially when you're thinking about you know stuff like when you're you know 18 years old and really thinking about dying for the first time and stuff like that and uh, existence and all that stuff um, and trying to understand things the just that concept of absolute freedom or even infinite pleasure mm-hmm. being the same as being absolutely nothing. Well, I think I mean it's it's but I think it even I think those concepts even like tie into like really tangible real world stuff. I mean, like for instance, like if you have a friend who doesn't have a job and has a sort of like various creative ambitions and is able to kind of like make things work like that person has freedom, but that can feel like its own trap versus somebody sure. who gets a high paying. Like I know a lot of people in, in, in this business in, in LA that have really good jobs they make a lot of money and that should make them happy but that just means they're com- they have no freedom they have, they're completely restricted by right. all these things like that and that it's like you you like you can be unhappy about things and the, the way restrictions define it is about you. finding a balance exactly between yeah. freedom and mm-hmm. you know uh, ceding control to something or someone else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah because you have no sense of worth if you have com- you know complete freedom and, and then and then to take it further the idea of which we talked about on the previous episode but just defining yourself in opposition to others yeah uh good and bad and that's mm-hmm. that's the process you go through when you're a teenager and you're like Oh, I like anime, but I don't like sports. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, oh yeah. You you are defining yourself by this and not that. And in a world where nobody, in a world where you are completely isolated, or if you choose to completely isolate yourself, you cease to really have any kind of self anymore mm-hmm. because you have nothing to define it with. So how important it is to have relationships with other people. Uh, that's how you're going to understand yourself. Mm-hmm. And and I think and I think like we talked about in the previous episode, like. A continually evolving understanding of what those things are because like it's like being able to well they talk in this episode that time changes all the exterior things so mm-hmm. you can't just latch onto one thing because that's going to change 
yeah. nothing is stagnant right well yeah and that it's that it's like you know at a certain point like the sports thing is a really really simple and, and easily relatable one it's like if you're like me or you at some point very young you just identified in opposition to being <laughs> sure. having sports be the center of your fucking life and and then but it's like you know then at some point you're gonna be like we are in our 30s and you're gonna find somebody who's like also a huge anime fan and they love fucking watching basketball and it's like it breaks your brain if you if you haven't uh, allowed your maturity to sort of like continually like you know yeah the things you define yourself with when you're you fucking jock yeah it's like no I mean I got friends that like all sorts of shit and I know that some of the broiest sure. people I do don't I know don't even like sports it's like it doesn't really matter but it's like those are the things that's like a, a, an, an evolving evolution like of evolving representation no, sure. of yourself and how you're looking at the, defining yourself against other people and not hanging on too closely to kind of an immature version of that I think is also tied up in the, the immaturity thing is tied up into what Anna's doing here as far as talking to yeah, presumably sure. adults about this right. stuff well you, you, yeah like that's the Ava right you don't you like you 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 want your Ava but you don't want to need your Ava because as he says if you if you're only living for Ava if you're only living to pilot the Ava if that's mm-hmm. all that then that then that becomes all you are you're mm-hmm. nothing more than Ava, and your you you your personality, you're 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 gone. You're just this thing. So if it's just like, well, I just like this, I just you know want to be this thing. You know, you and you latch onto that just that one thing. Mm-hmm. You you you're losing something. You're losing yourself uh, in service of something else. So yeah, to have that sense of self that can can respond to you know the changes along with the passage of time. Hmm. Uh, well, and that, and that, yeah, and that, that you will, that, that everybody's always evolving and changing anyways, and that part of the being kind to yourself thing is, I think, allowing yourself to grow and not grasping too closely onto things you think define you and letting yourself be who you are and who you're mm-hmm. becoming, and, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's a lot. To think about. It's so funny. It's, I mean, I'm not gonna, I literally talked about some of this stuff in therapy this morning and forgot uh, that it was no going to be in the... No <laughs> doubt. Yeah. It's like, no doubt. It really isn't surprising at all. It is just the primer. I mean, yeah, I, I've talked about it before that every college paper, you know, I'd be be writing about, you know, a character. And I'd and I'd, it, it, this is also just incredibly helpful in terms of like literary analysis oh, and yeah. like writing papers in college because it'd be like, okay, well, I'll just take this obscure character from this Dickens novel, and I'm going to put them through the instrumentality <laughs> interrogation process, yeah. and that'll really help me understand who they are. You know, it's like, well, what what is it that this person defines himself yeah, by? Yeah, And why are they, how are they reacting when that's taken away? And how does that evolve over the course of the story? And it really allowed me to, like, I remember I had a college paper where there was a, there's a shitty, I've talked about David Copperfield on here before, but there's a character that's kind of like reviled as being this worthless rich girl character that marries David Copperfield and is, uh, you know, just, just kind of annoying. And I wrote a whole paper that was just in defense of this character. Cause it like, it broke my heart that ultimately like the only thing she wants to do, she, she's, she's been trained to be this upper crust, like, you know, dilettante or whatever character. Uh, is it, is that the right word? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, she's pretty, and he marries her, and then she can't do anything. Like, she was made to entertain, and when they, like, are running out of money, she can't help because she has no, like, mm-hmm. practical skills. And so, one night, he's, like, working, and she asks if she can hold the pens for him. And Aww. I was like, this person has been trained by society to be completely worthless, and so to give herself a sense of worth, she says, can I hold your pens? <laughs> And it's like, oh my god! And I wrote this whole paper out, and I like my my professor wrote back, "You've 
changed my priorities as a reader. Nice, nice. And it's because of Evangelion, because it was like, oh, this is this is an Asuka moment. This is a character that, like, on the surface, feels like, oh, bleh, this character's annoying to the protagonist of the thing. They're they're an impediment to their whatever. It's so, like, yeah, but from that character's perspective, this is the most heartbreaking thing imaginable. You know, so really getting inside of of people. So I think it's really helped me as a student, and then also obviously as a writer when we write characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, hopefully there's if there's any sort of richness to them, it's probably, again, because of the fertile soil of Evangelion and how it, well, it thoroughly goes, explores its characters' interior lives. And it goes back to, I can't remember which episode it was, there was that one where we went on that big, long rant about, um, you know, responsibility as a viewer and, like, what the value of narratives is and stuff <laughs> like that. But this all comes back to it, where it's like, I think that, again, I mean, look, if you just want to be entertained by this show, that that's that's great. I, I, I hope it works, and, and I hope you have fun, and if it's just a distraction. And some people, you know, like, I, you know, Toji wouldn't watch this show and get a lot out of it, but, man, that ending didn't make a whole lick of sense. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, and, and we still fine. love and respect Toji. So, I, you know, it's, it's not for everybody. And it's not, not everybody, everybody can yeah. use these things in that same way they have to get it from something else no and but but it's like but if you know if if you like this show and and you are interested in in stories and stuff like that i mean i think that the kind of like like we talked i talked about it before like especially serialized um narratives being like a really good opportunity to kind of explore your feelings about different types of people in a safe environment because Uh they aren't real people that you you have to talk to and stuff and so like you know i talk a lot about the way you feel about asuka is a is a big part of this show it's like mm. you know if you if you dislike her at the beginning you, you better like her by the end because you need to you need to have the empathy you need to be able to look deeper than the surface of people and that and i'm speaking to if you want to write things but also i'm saying like as a person i think it's a really good thing to do so yeah i mean i think if you like the show and you're interested in any of this stuff i think it's worth like you know like like luke's saying kind of like deep diving into what is going on here mechanically and narratively and, and emotionally and empathetically. Well, a lot of shows do like, that, but but rarely so, you know, this has white text coming up and asking, why do you do this? And yeah. is that really what you feel? You know, it's so it's in this very, I, I guess you can't say literal, but this, this very concrete way is exploring that where you look at a lot of things and you can, you can see, you could analyze and psychoanalyze characters in, in all sorts of pieces, and a lot of them are, you know, character-driven pieces that do that. But this one just, you know, on the surface is really diving into multiple characters and really yes. grilling them. And so, that especially, you know, as a younger person, seeing that was very important uh, well, as an artist to and I see that uh, mechanic in play. Absolutely, and I don't, and I think so that, and it's on display here. And now you can, now I find that I can employ it without mm-hmm. necessarily putting that mechanic on display it just can be in there yeah it's an internal uh, i'd like to put it on display more mechanism of a thing and, and we'll talk about all this stuff more when we get to end of evangelion because i can't remember every single beat of that movie to say for sure but I, I think the other thing that i like about the endings of this narrative is that it the show really resists um how does how to put this I mean, we joke about fan service in terms of, you know, uh-huh. sexualizing characters and this and that. But in terms of, there's there's no character journey narrative that feels like a a gotcha fan service y like, oh, you wanted this to happen to this character? Like or the you know, like the uh-huh. kind of like 
giving the audience a sense of like um, retribution for something, so some sense of wrong or something like. Yeah, I don't. There's think no, so. nobody gets their comeuppance. That's well, yes, exactly. Nobody gets their comeuppance, and nobody, you know. And I like I like this stuff, but there's not. It, yeah, like, it can be. It can be but, cool, but there's not like stuff where it's like. You know, oh, Ray can't pilot the Ava like she's no good, and then like Ray jumps in and saves the day, and it's like mm-hmm. oh, it's you know, like like setups and payoffs, they're not so obvious as they are. And again, like it can be really fun, and I really like some of those moments where it's like oh, you know, the the, the shitty guy gets to do his thing, and oh, mm-hmm. he's made fun of him for it, but now it's the key to saving the world, and mm-hmm. you know those sort of rousing moments. You don't really get those either. You get some rousing moments in Evangelion yeah. for fucking sure, but. It feels a little less contrived than it does in some things. And that's, I think it's just, that's just another mechanic of, that's really common in, in, in long form, uh, uh, serialized, uh, narratives these days and, in audiences. It's not like I'm saying like, Oh, every show should end with like a big fuck you. I mean, I think I, I think I joked at one point, I don't know if I did it on mic or not, but like that almost like this episode, these, these two episodes, it's almost like the, um, the Terrence and Philip episode of South Park. It feels almost like a prank. You Which, know, well, we, I think we've referenced before. I mean, and it's it was, dated now. But if you don't know, there was a South Park, and and I have issues with South Park and what it's sure, done. Sure, but at the time, this, is, this is like South Park season two. <laughs> this is we were just like kids when this. Yeah, was on. and no, I mean, all all due respect, I, I think it's a you know an interesting show, and I I, I wonder what it did for our society uh, by not allowing us to have to believe in anything without it being ridiculous like the notion sure. of belief and faith in anything or morality <laughs> like mm-hmm. taking stances on anything is always laughable uh in the show by not picking sides and everybody's a target does sort of render us with no moral compass at all but sure. <laughs> uh the the reference that we're making is that there was a episode that has a big cliffhanger of who is Cartman's father mm-hmm. and they promised you know okay oh we're gonna tune in next week and find out who Cartman's father is and then they just played a, an episode that was all the characters Terrence and Philip. it would be like it's like yeah like, if, like <laughs> which are just scratchy, the annoying yeah. yeah flatulent uh Canadian characters on the show so there was an entire episode of annoying filler <laughs> instead yeah. of an answer people were furious and that's kind of what i think this 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 i mean they if he'd really wanted to do that with this the last episode would just be pen pen um <laughs> like like you know getting a beer out of the fridge or something right. and just like nobody's around and it's like the instrumentality the case of pen pen and it's like just like well this is doing it but it's almost like to teach you a lesson of like well you were so invested in yes. this fictional world and you think this is so important but it's not and this story is telling the character the lead character that it's not like oh i pilot my ava oh you pilot your ava that's the only thing that matters well guess what if you didn't do that the world would be a much better place yeah yeah you weren't so, so it's obsessed not, it, with this it's yeah so i think to some people this it probably at the time especially felt almost like a prank but it's like well it's he, actually yeah, the show he recalibrating did, he did get death threats uh well, which we, we'll talk more about later but th- i mean at a, at a time when death threats weren't like when there was not the the where there wasn't twitter where mm-hmm. it was so easy to access somebody to give them death death threats death threats from from people in japan which is yeah in the 90s that's insane you know um as opposed to yeah like a bunch of bots and trolls and you know Mm -hmm. that culture of that's arisen here and the accessibility of people to do that to reach out because yeah now i'm sure we'll get some sometime soon (laughs) (laughs) yeah we've never gotten any death threats not yet Um, (sighs) somehow but how dare you treat the character from that first segment of VHS in that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean... How dare you treat the demon girl like that? Mm-hmm. You've ruined the, the franchise. 
I mean, we did, but uh, I just, yeah, I, I, I think. I mean, we can kind of. I don't know. I mean, it's, there's more to talk about, but we're also we, we're gonna we're gonna say we're gonna get holistic with things once we, you know, once we've done interview hey, alien. It might be multiple episodes, honestly. Depending. Where's Kevin? Kevin, I just noticed he's gone. Yeah, he, uh, Kevin will be back. Kevin yeah. is next door. Uh, well, he's not working. here. For this one. I just, <laughs> yeah. I just felt bad that we like started the episode and I, and I meant to call it out. I was like, oh yeah, Kevin's not going to be here this week. And then we just got further and further in. Yeah, and we it just was like, in oh too. shit. Like, no, no, Kevin, Kevin was, uh, was working. Um, you know, and yeah. and so very missed. We this, this is it's I, I you know actually the, the last if, if there's nothing else to talk about I, I will say that it's just it is interesting that we started this we started recording these in March if I remember correctly mm. you and I did and it's like. I don't think we ever expected to actually be doing it this long. I think we thought we would kind of like knock Record it all out. It all, yeah. And I think it's actually kind of cool that there's this, that like, this is an interesting little time capsule. Um, and that, and that I think our, our opinions about, it's probably better that we took this amount of time because if we'd watched it all in a rush and done it, like, I think we gave ourselves more time to sort of process and digest these things. And it's been really fun to, to do this and to, uh, to have this as a catalog mm-hmm. of the thing and it's mm-hmm. funny that we had a lot more time on our hands at the beginning and now we're yeah. like i mean we're literally they're like <laughs> squeezing we're going to release this episode like tonight at midnight and it's like we just we're squeezing this in between meetings we were on a call before this we're going to a meeting at a studio right after this and stuff and it's like yeah this is it's it's become like work and so like things like kevin can be in <laughs> if he's here and then he can't be in if he's here and like obviously we have to do it we missed a week we apologize for that but like yeah uh it's been fun doing this and it's been a fun uh thing and we're gonna obviously there's more to come because we're gonna finish out these movies and then probably do the rebuild movies i'd like to and yeah yeah, and then and then we'll talk about you know if we're going to do other things and and what the sort of future of this show is if it's always going to be a weekly thing or if we'll take a little break yeah then maybe maybe a little break then we'll do wolf's reign (laughs) sure um no but yeah i just yeah i do do miss miss having kevin here i think we're gonna do death next time i think it's a good idea to do if you're watching on netflix death true to yeah and uh and we'll we will do the netflix one i guess yeah there's not yeah a, let's let's do netflix well, not for, a the, good for DVD the movie or blu-ray of it yes there was never really a decent hd uh release of either the recap film or end of evangelion so we'll we will watch the netflix translations of those we will watch them subtitled i have uh, a i do have a sort of uh, moral question for myself is i think i mentioned it on previous episodes that i was able to find a physical blu-ray copy yeah of end of evangelion and i have a moral question as to whether or not i should reference where and how i obtained that um because it what once it's useful but it also could kind of not be good for the parties involved i don't know i'm not sure yeah i, I don't i don't know i mean i definitely not a fan of piracy for anything that can be legally obtained. Yes. Uh, no, we absolutely. Um, that's 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 our that's our official stance on this that's thing. That's our livelihood. And I am unclear as to how this thing I obtained was came into being. Uh, I didn't ask a lot of questions, um, but uh-huh. it's great to see on a Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What well, to say. I'm sure it looks great on uh, Netflix, yeah. and I'm happy that we have that, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing that i wonder if they like they'll never do physical hd copies of this will they i mean the, the netflix deal does complicate that and that yeah. is one of the unfortunate side effects of 
having it. I mean, it is great because so many people have access to it at once. I don't think we would have, you know, half the listeners of this podcast that we do without it. Yeah. Uh, I don't think, you know, because people are not going to be paying, you know, $30 sight unseen for you know, mm-hmm. the movie and God knows how much for the, the set of the series. Um, so I'm glad for that, but I do selfishly want to own it. And, you know, I, I am dubious of street, you know, completely abandoning physical media. And I know there's definitely been mm-hmm. movies and shows that, you know, no, I mean that this uh, Satoshi Kon stuff, you know, being you know, paranoid agent being out of print. The Millennium Actress is up on Amazon. It Prime, is, yeah. Though. If you guys have never seen, I had it on last night, just like while I was doing stuff, and yeah. I forgot how fucking beautiful the movie looks. I know you saw it in the theater the other day, but yeah, it's great. So if you guys haven't seen Millennium Actress, uh, it's yeah, I've gone Amazon Prime. It's absolutely... so is Lily Cat only in the dub. You, <laughs> that Lily Cat is also I need to watch on that. <laughs> Crunchyroll and uh, Asian Crush. Uh, was it good? It's a lot of fun. I just thought I just thought it was funny that I do these like you know on Twitter I'll like share a little you know horror movies that I'm watching. I try mm-hmm. to watch 31 horror movies and uh, I just <laughs> randomly shared that I watched Lily Cat, which is this alien the thing ripoff anime from 1986, and like all of a sudden it got like more likes than anything I've ever tweeted. Yeah, <laughs> in you've, my life, you've, you've had a couple of good ones recently though. You've you've some some good circulation but yeah no they made me curious i, I would like to see Lily uh Cat. it's 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 nice because it's like an hour yeah, it's like great. an hour and seven minutes sounds and so, awesome you know, and the soundtrack is rad but that's that's what we that's what we like so so yeah i mean i guess i guess we'll wrap it up there and say that you know we'll we'll be back for the death one we'll be back for death yeah. gotta have kevin for anything so, so if 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 kevin's got a lot of travel and stuff coming up um work and personal stuff that he's work so if there is more if we can't get him, basically, because like this this week will be this episode, next week will be death, and in theory, the next week will be End of Evangelion. Mm-hmm. If he's out of town <sighs> and we can't record with him to get it up in time, we'll just do some other episode that will fill in the gap between. So we'll just we're gonna wait for Kevin to do End of Evangelion. Presumably, it'll be in a timely fashion. And if we have to that's talk about some other real, shit, that's oh, this, it might even episodes. be like yeah, it might even be like a weekend or something. I don't know. At least two episodes to cover End of Evangelion. Yeah, because there is gonna be a lot, a lot of stuff to cover. Yeah, we might even like do it in chunks. I don't know, but one of my favorite movies. Yeah, 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 one of the best. So thanks, guys. I hope this is helpful or illuminating or interesting or something. Yeah, I don't know. Do you do you want peace of mind? What do you seek? Mm. Become one. I mean, I want to. I want to. You know, feel uh, to connect and be recognized. Yeah, I want to. I want to be happy with myself, and I want to love myself and accept love from other people, and uh, you know. I think yeah. uh, that's what we all want. Yeah, take care of yourselves. Take got, take care of yourselves, guys. God damn it. Take care of yourselves so that you're emotionally ready to watch End of Evangelion. Yeah. Drink some water. Get yeah. enough sleep. You know, treat all yourself. Right. Do something. Yeah. Well, until next time. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.